Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History Advocate Hemingway, and today we're talking about the area surrounding the Pantheon. And you may know this area because it's super close to the Luxembourg Gardens, but Claudine's going to teach us all about it. Yeah, the Pantheon um, is, Latin, is the Latin Quarter. So it's just if you're standing in front of the Pantheon, you look right down, you can see into um, the top of the Palais de Luxembourg, and you could even see the Eiffel Tower from up there. So it's a really great little spot. And if you have only been walking around it, you haven't gone inside, you should definitely go check it out, especially if it's a really hot day in Paris, because going down into the basement is freezing, even in the middle of a heat wave. <laughs> it's a great place to go. Um, but the pantheon itself a lot of people get confused because there's they think of the pantheon as rome but this is the, the paris french pantheon in 1774 louis the 15th traveled to metz it was during um the siege and he became very ill he had a high fever he was treated by bloodletting which was something that they did they thought cured everything back then uh, for 12 days and he told he had two days to live. So Louis XV prayed and promised that if he survived, he would build a church to saint jean Vieve. And we have done two episodes about saint jean Vieve, So we have talked about some of this before, um, but this we're going to give you even more great information. Um, but it wouldn't happen in his lifetime. So he did survive. But in his big promise that he made, it took until Louis the 16th um, to actually do it. Before Louis the 15th, another king made the same vow back in the 6th century. Clovis, who was king of the Franks, was married to a very devout Queen Clotilde. Clovis went off to the Battle of Tobayac and made a promise and a prayer to the god of Clotilde. She was, Clotilde was very religious. Clovis was not, that if he survived um, and was victorious, he would convert. He went to Notre Dame de Rance in front of all of his soldiers, and he was baptized. Clotilde was so was really close to Saint-Jean-Vieve about that time. She was just Jean-Vieve um, and persuaded Clovis to build an abbey on the top of the hill known as uh, Mont Locotito. Luco, <laughs> I'm totally butchering that. But it was dedicated to St. Paul and St. Peter. When Clovis died in 511, he was buried in the abbey. Genevieve was buried next to him um, when she died shortly after. Um, Clotilde would become Saint Clotilde and Genevieve, of course, Saint Genevieve, because she's the patron saint of Paris. Um, and it was because of Clotilde that we know the story of Saint Genevieve. And there's a beautiful church that's really close to the Rodin Museum that is the Saint Clotilde, which I just was in um, just yesterday. Um, in the ninth century, a new church was built here under Louis XIV. It was destroyed leaving a perfect place for the church to be built that Louis the 15th wanted due, due to the wars and Louis um, trying to uh, control the purse strings of France. It was put off until 1757. The Marquis de Mar uh, Mar Marguignet drew up the plans. He was also, he was the uh, brother of uh, Madame de Pompadour, who was the great love of Louis XV that we did an episode about, but he um, drew it up 
and then gave his um, protege, Jacques Germain Soufflot, he gave him, basically, he told them him to come up with this. On September 6, 1764, uh, Louis XV was there um, to lay the first stone, but never saw it finished. He died 10 years later in 1774. Dussoufflo and Marguerite were inspired by the Roman pantheon, of course, with its Corinthian columns and its, uh, you know, all of its ancient Greek design. Soufflo would, um, he worked on it um, in 1780 and his partners took over um, finishing it after he died. Um, in 1790, they dedicated it um, and designed it to be a Greek cross style church. So a Greek cross is basically when it's like, you know, uh, the same size. So if you look like at the letter X and just turned it <laughs> and had it straight up and down, that's basically a Greek cross. Most churches that you see look like a cross, like the Christ you know, died on that shape of a cross, but this is a Greek cross. On April 2nd, 1791, when the revolutionist uh, Maribot died, it um, at the Assembly National, uh, the National Assembly, Emmanuel Pastoral decided that they needed a monument built to the heroes of and the great men of France. So on April 4th, it was decided that poor saint jean was going to get booted out and it was changed to the Pantheon as the resting place for the great men of France. As it, it was very great. Just poor Saint-Jean-Viev. <laughs> poor, poor but, you know, she found a place close by. Um, she, he was the first one that was buried there, but three years later he was removed when it was discovered he had secret dealings with Louis XVI, even though he was a revolutionist. So the guy that had her booted got booted himself. I mean, right really so. I know, right? Exactly. Under Napoleon, um, it returned um, to the name of saint jean but it still remained the crypt of great men. And in 1816, it returned to a church. In 1819, they removed the golden letters, eventually renaming, uh, redoing the pediment and the remains uh, of all the markings in 1823. In 1837, the pediment was given a new design by David Donger, and a form, the former version um, included victory surrounded by the allegories and genies. Um, and so and it's really it's really cool when you look at the top of it. Um, it's really it's a it's a beautiful building, especially, in, you know, in the morning with the sun coming up behind it. It's really gorgeous. Um, it stands in between liberty and history. Is standing in between the allegory of victory in the middle, uh, who's writing down the names of the great men. On the left, Mirabeau still there, but also Lafayette, um, David and Fillion, and but also Voltaire and Rousseau. Um, they are also on the top. There's also Napoleon and some of his soldiers up there. Inside, inside it, Saint Jean Vieve remains still sort of. She's on the walls. Um, when you look on the outside, one of the cool things is is you will look, you might notice some of the stones are like a whiter color. That is because, and you could kind of, when you really look at it, you could tell the shape of it because that is what used to be stained glass windows. And those stained glass windows were removed um, when it, when they stopped it from being a church dedicated to the great men. They took all the stained glass out and, and uh, 
bricked up the whole entire outside structure. And now they have these huge murals that go all around the inside of it. Um, half of it is dedicated to saint jean and talks about her, shows the different parts of her life. But there's also ones about Clovis, Charlemagne, Saint-Louis, and Jean d'Arc. Um, the Jean d'Arc ones are some of my favorite. And then as you walk out the door, there's one of Saint-Denis that is uh, picking up his head that is rolling away. I mean, it's, I mean, that's like something yeah. to really catch your eye, I feel like. It is, it definitely. And I have people that are like, did he really carry his head? And I'm like, I'm just reporting the facts. <laughs> Not our um, But it is, it is really cool. Um, inside it, you know, it last uh, November, almost a year ago. It, uh, it made, um, you know, a lot of people, especially in America, found out about the Pantheon because that is when, um, Josephine Baker, Baker was symbolically interred. Um, she was not herself moved there, but they put a box with, um, a few chunks of dirt from the four places she had once lived there. Uh, but down, you also have, uh, Pierre and Mary Curie there. You have Simon Veil, who was one of my, who's one of the greatest women in French history. Um, they should have Rosa Bon Rosa, Rose Valland in there. I got to talk. Give me a call. Give me the line. You need to call somebody. I know. I got to, I got to talk to my crown about that, but (laughs) they also have a bunch of the people that fought in the liberation, but they also have Victor Hugo, um, Emile Zola, Dumas. They all are in the same crypt. And I always just think like, what kind of conversations are they having? Their, their egos are probably so big that they're probably (laughs) arguing. But it is, it's really, it's a really cool space to go into and go see um, the crypt. You know, once in the crypt, you kind of like, they all look exactly the same. You go to look at the different people, but, you know, I see every time people go down there, once you're down there for like 20 minutes, it's kind of like the catacombs. Like once you see a stack of bones, do you need to keep seeing it for two kilometers? <laughs> see them all. You've seen them all. I mean, it is really cool. And so poor saint jean when she got kicked out of there, she was only there for a very short period of time before they kicked her out. She ended up going over just right behind it to the church that is the Saint-Étienne-du-Mont. This church, a lot of people know this church because it's what they call the Midnight in Paris church. Um, the current church was begun in 1494. It was finally finished in 1624 and was, and but was um, still conti- uh, continuing to be worked on. It was dedicated to Saint Etienne, who is Saint Stephen, who was the saint that the very first church in Paris that was on. Um, uh, in in front of what we know as Notre Dame today, it was the very first church in Paris. It was Saint Etienne, so that's what they dedicated to Saint Etienne. Um, over the central part of the door, the tympanum is by Gabriel Jules Thomas. Um, it is a martyrdom of Saint Etienne, um, which it's kind of like it gets the name Saint Etienne, but it's no, I mean most people just know this as the Saint Jean Vieux Church. Um, the lower level, the front door, has beautiful Corinthian columns that are top with a pediment um that's like a greek temple it's a really really cool church what was right next door to it was the abbey that um clovis and clotilde had built and it was the abbey of saint jean vieve and there's nothing remaining of it today except for the tower so when you look at that and it's now a school it's a really prestigious uh school um you see a tall tower in the middle of it that was the only part of the um abbey of saint jean vieve and it literally shared the wall with the church um so they could actually go in between it from that side 
Um, once you go inside of it, the biggest thing that is the most notable and what I love to take, I always took people inside of the church. I show them the steps from Midnight Paris. Everybody wants to see that, but then I make them go inside too, because inside the church, it's gorgeous and it's very different from any church in Paris. The biggest um, and most notable part of it is the jube screen or the rude screen. Um, it's the only one left in France. Um, most of the churches in Paris had these, including Notre Dame. It was built between 1530 and 1535. Um, and it is basically, it, it's a screen that kind of goes behind the altar. Um, this one is carved out of marble. And the reason it was stayed in in place was because you could see through the bottom. The bottom has these kind of Gothic arches. Uh, but most of the churches like Notre Dame and Saint-Germain-Luxoir, they were all like an actual wall. So wow. it separated the choir um, from the Nev, from the, the people. And so they thought, well, we want to open this up and bring the people together more. If you recently watched the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, when she went through, because of how they seated everybody, when she went through there, there's still one of those screens. So the people in the, the back, they don't see anything. They can't see anything really up past it. So that's kind of was, I thought, oh, great. This is where people could maybe see how these things worked. <laughs> um, but the one is at Antienne is gorgeous. It's all carved out of marble and has staircases that go up or that curve around um, and go up the side. It's it, absolutely stunning. Um, the juve comes from the juve domine benedictaire. It was designed to bless uh, bless the people. They used to actually stand up above it and give their sermons. The steps on each side take you to the second level um, where the priest would stand. And there was even a higher gangway to walk. They don't use it anymore. I would love to be able to walk up there. Mm -hmm. um, it separates two styles, the flamboyant and the Gothic choir. So the front of the church is flamboyant. The back is Gothic. Um, and it's uh, the French Italianate um, style as well that goes back to 1605. So you have and it's really a bright church. It's very um, it has a lot of light coming in. Some churches are darker, like Notre Dame was actually kind of a pretty dark church. Um, Saint-Germain-la-Soir could be kind of dark. But then when you go to Saint-Germain-des-Prés, there's a lot of light. I really love the ones that have a lot of light. Um, but right on the side is the chapel dedicated to saint jean vieve and it's really gorgeous. Um, she was originally buried next door at the abbey next to Clovis and Clotil. Um, but of course, during the revolution, her remains were taken because she was in this beautiful sarcophagus that was gold and covered with diamonds and rubies and everything. Um, she was taken um, down to the mint where they took it all apart. Then they slowly walked her through the street to make sure that everybody saw that she died. Go back and listen to the episodes about because why she's a patron saint and how she continued to save the people even long after she died. Um, she was she was burned on November 21st, 1793 in front of the Hotel de Ville. Um, inside the chapel that was built in 1863 um, is a, now is kind of a big brass sarcophagus looking thing. Inside of it has a huge, um, it has a huge stone, uh, like four or five different pieces. They believe that that is what she, her body rested on when she was buried at the Abbey, when they were tearing it down, they found these and they think that that was part of her tomb. So that's why they're, well, why these are there. Um, but there is a reliquary there with her, um, which I know you it always cracks you up because it's like, a, you know, a fingernail, um, but it's a little tiny vial that's some part of her body. Um, and at the, during the revolution, all those things that were in Paris were destroyed. 
but after she had died, some of these had been sent to churches all around France. And so after the revolution, they said, Hey, bring those things back to us. So now like, uh, Saint Suplice, Saint Etienne, they all have some pieces of her. Um, and these pieces, because of Saint Genevieve, they would actually bring these things out. Um, and they do this whole march, and they would do it when there was floods, it would not stop. And then they'd bring do this whole whole ceremony, and then the rain would stop. Or it was, you know, they were having droughts, and then they do this, and then the sky would open up. So there were things that were happening. And also I believe because then the rooster that was on top of the spire of Notre Dame inside that rooster was a relic of uh, saint jean and also Saint-Denis and also a piece of the true cross. And when that fell because the spire, you know, burned and, and uh, the lead melted and it, that's what broke through the ceiling. I believe that Notre Dame was saved because saint jean was over it and watching. She was protecting like always. She is. She's always, she's been protecting Paris for six, over 1600 years. Um, inside, you, when you go into the chapel, it's really cool. There's the stained glass. Do not miss the stained glass. There's three different sections of stained glass. On the right um, is the ones that basically it'll, it shows the Church of St. Etienne next to the abbey. Um, in the stained glass and then it shows kind of basically the procession when they did her reliquary and they walk it Um, and when they would do this listen to that episode we did and I tell you about how they did it and it's really interesting but on the other side is um, eight is is two huge section windows and each one of them has four sections and it tells a different story so the first one tells of her childhood childhood in Nanterre um, when the Saint-Germain called her up for service, um, it also has her healing her mother's blindness, which was her first miracle. Um, the third was when she received the veil dedicated to the virgins that she was asked to protect in Paris. And then fourth is her version of hell and paradise that she had in a dream. In the second window, it has her feeding the people of Paris under um, Childrick because she ended up getting its boat and navigating down the Seine that was all blocked off to go to Brie to bring back um, bread and wheat to feed the people. Um, the next one is her kind of her most famous thing she's known for is asking the Parisians to pray at the banks of the Seine to fend off Attila the Hun, who was going to come destroy it. Um, the seventh is the miracle of the relit candle when she was at the Basilique Saint-Denis, which, which is what she had built for in memory of Don Saint-Denis. And the last one is her death, which was either in 502 or 512 is when she died. Wow. I mean, how do these things survive? Like, it's crazy. How It is crazy. I mean, you know, I mean, when you go up there, this vial is probably two inches long and I don't even know what's inside of it. You know, you, it's like, it it could literally be like, you know, part of a, a joint in your finger, your pinky finger. (laughs) Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, and they, the uh, Pope John Paul, there's a picture of him. He came there and like prayed um, there. But I mean, it's a beautiful church and go all the way around. The stained glass windows are gorgeous. Um, all of the little chapel, there's some great paintings in there that we talked about in that episode, which I'll put a link um, on my website to, to listen back to those two. And I've had people are like, you should do a podcast episode about her. When I do tours, I'm like, oh no, we did two. <laughs> There's so much to talk about for her. We had to do two. Um, but another really cool thing, just right on that corner, 
um, is when you walk down the street, the street that basically where the Abbey used to sit um, that ran through it now is the Rue Clovis, which is, of course, named after the King of the Franks. Um, it was created in 1807. That's when they destroyed the Abbey and took it down. Um, the Lisee Henri Cat is there that has the tower inside of it. But if you go down a little bit, there's a really cool reminder of what Paris was long ago. Um, a portion of the wall of Philippe Auguste um, that was, he had created when he went on his third crusade. This was built between 1200 and 1215. Um, later, the Charles V wall was um, mostly, uh, was created and a lot of the Philippe uh, Auguste was destroyed but there's still a few pieces around. You could find some in Paris. You could find some in the Marais. Um, you could find some at the carousel entrance of the Louvre. Um, a few, piece, a few of the pieces um, that remain that are in the Marais are at the edge of a basketball court, which is really kind of cool where I'm always like, do those guys playing basketball know what they're playing next to? No idea. <laughs> But there's part of it that's right there on Rue Clovis and it has a plaque there and it's you, you know, it's really interesting to see because you can see just how thick that wall was. Um, and it goes back into somebody's, you know, into their backyard. Wild. Oh my gosh. This is crazy because you look at this pile of rocks and you're like, oh, that's nothing. You know, you don't imagine like yeah. that. Not in Paris. There's a, there was a piece of it. There still is a piece there in um, a parking garage on the Rue Mazarin over um in Saint-Germain and I used to love to take people to show them and like sometimes usually they just thought I was going down to get my car or something and so I would take people down there and one time somebody stopped me and then I was like oh no we're going down to show and there's even a plaque there saying what it is and then the parking attendant was like what what are you talking about and I had to get I gave him a history lesson but they now have changed that parking lot into um a private parking lot so it's not just open to the public. So the door is never open now. So I can't uh, take people down there. Can't sneak in anymore. Can't sneak in there anymore, uh, sadly. But um, it is pretty cool. And you can find them, you know, around the city. There's also right there on the Rue Saint-André des Arts. Um, there's some and the little shops that are right off the street. There's a few pieces of the wall. So there's, you know, and there's books that are in French that basically have all of the different walls and kind of give you the map of where they used to be. And it's kind of fun to go like, I'm going to go find all the ones here on the left bank. I love that. You need to make a map. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's quite a few online. <laughs> Check out those maps, guys. Well, yeah. thanks so much for tuning in and make sure you head over to ClaudineHemingway.com. Check out what Claudine's working on and connect with her and tune in next week. Thanks for listening today, guys. If you're interested in learning more about Claudine, her tours, history, and the beautiful photographs that she posts all over Instagram, tune into her website, ClaudineHemingway.com. <laughs>